There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean... Um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. This is the second time I have recorded this intro because technology hates me today. Holy crap, what a week. James Harden pouted enough to finally get traded. And he burned the whole damn place down on his way out too. Um, and Brooklyn. Brooklyn was just like, here, we did this once before and it worked out so well last time. Take every draft pick that we have that we can trade. Take them all. And and, and in return, give us an out-of-shape prima donna to pair with an out-of-the-office and nowhere-to-be-found prima donna. And then Kevin Durant is just over there in the corner like, I just want to play basketball. Like, Kevin Durant is now the least dramatic person on his basketball team for the first time in his NBA career. It's never happened before. Can't wait to see how it works out. Ohio State got smacked in the college football playoff national championship by Alabama. And honestly, the conversation that it spurred was the best afterwards. Like, like this is what I heard. The Big Ten's best team, Ohio State, a team that regularly smacks around the rest of the Big Ten, didn't even belong on the same field as the SEC's best team, which should, in theory, settle the SEC or Big Ten debate. That's what I heard. I don't believe it. But I can't really defend my opinion because Ohio State got smacked. Nick Saban, though, is undoubtedly the best coach ever. Um, I had a thought Monday night, kind of just as I was I was watching the game play out. Excuse me. I, I get to watch the greatest quarterback of all time play quarterback in Tom Brady. I get to watch who I think is the greatest basketball player of all time play basketball in LeBron James. If you're like anywhere between 5 and 10 years older than me, then like in your formative years, you got to see Jordan. So if you think Jordan is the best player, then you will have gotten to have seen both. Um, I, I like my memory of Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan with the Washington Wizards, which is like the equivalent of watching Tom Cruise in movies now. Like it's just not the same. Um, and I get to watch the greatest coach of all time, Coach Nick Saban. So us sports fans right now are, are, are truly blessed, and I don't think we spend enough time stopping to think about that fact. So that was what I was thinking Monday, and then <laughs> been kind of. From then on out through the rest of the week, it was just like, Nebraska, hello, we would like to be the center of attention. Nebraska was the center of attention this week, even though it hasn't played a football game since December 19th. It is never a slow day around here. Um, Wando Robinson is out, which... Um, I made my thoughts on that known on the Straight Up Breakdown podcast this week with Greg Smith and Brandon Bogle. Um, Greg was kind enough to have us on in Jay Foreman's absence this week, notwithstanding, because I am dumb. That is one of the best Nebraska football podcasts that you can listen to anywhere. It is a must-listen for me every week. Subscribe to it. 
Uh, I believe the link is hailvarsity.com backslash network. I think that's the link, the link for you to go and find all of Hail Varsity's podcast offerings. We have a ton of them now. Um, Brandon Vogel has his own, the IED Preview podcast. Jay Moore has his own, the More To It podcast. Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin have their own. Sasha. I don't have a speech impediment, I promise. Sasha Durkin and Aaron Sorensen have their own podcast. The Mind Your Own podcast. It's good. Listen to all of them. All of them are good. Oh, what else happened? Um, Nebraska got a replacement for Wandale Robinson, kind of, sort of, on the same day. Um, Samori Toure, a six foot three grad transfer from Montana, is coming to Nebraska. He'll be on campus this weekend. In his last full season, 2019 uh, FCS level did not play in 2020. They pushed it to the spring, which is probably why he's coming to Nebraska, because if they had played uh, this past fall, he's probably going to the NFL right now. In 2019, he had 87 catches for 1,495 yards. He had 13 touchdowns. This is a dude with legit NFL chops. Hopefully, he's going to help this Nebraska team, this wide receiver room, this offense. I touched on him when I scored the wide receiver room this week. Um, that series is up and running again on HailVarsity.com, the Scoring the Huskers series that I've done um, each of the last three years. So far, I've covered the wide receivers uh, on Tuesday and the tight ends on Thursday of this week. In the past, I've kept them together. I split them up. I feel like the tight end room is probably, if it's not the strongest room on the team, it's the strongest room on the offense. So I split them up this week. Um, Moving forward, every Tuesday and Thursday will be a new one, a new group. Go read them. Nebraska also secured a transfer pledge from Marquis Stepp, a former four-star running back from Indiana who spent his first three years at USC, step redshirted in 2018. Then he played sort of a secondary role in, in 2019 and 2020. He is a kind of downhill uh, running back. The thinking is that he's a replacement for Dedrick Mills because Dedrick Mills is going to the NFL. Um, he announced that this week. This isn't surprising. I've been saying since the season ended that I didn't see him coming back. As a guy with NFL aspirations and, and, and really an NFL skill set, um, it, it made no sense to me. It would make no sense to get another year older as a running back in a situation that isn't letting you feature yourself fully. Nebraska could have used him differently, uh, and, and maybe it will use guys differently moving forward, but we've got two years of evidence that suggests that he wasn't going to have 20 carries per game, um, that kind of a role in this offense for whatever reason. So he, he's moved on, and, and then Nebraska found out that Deontay Williams, Markel Dismuke, and Will Honus three key starters from the defense. They're all returning for one more year um, using the free year of eligibility granted by the NCAA. Um, those announcements sort of in conjunction with with what we already knew that JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt are both coming back as well. Nebraska will return nine of its top 10 tacklers from a season ago on that defense. Um, they should be really good. I think this defense can be salty as shit next season. There's no doubt in my mind that Eric Janander will continue to, to keep them on the the upward trajectory that he's got them on. The uh, the other two phases of the game, though. Um, oof. Special teams improved in 2020, kind of thanks, but it, but it was it was mostly because of the Big Ten's kicker of the year and Connor Culp. Um, but it didn't improve enough to really make a difference, and as a result, Jonathan Rutledge is now out as the special teams analyst, pseudo coordinator, whatever you wanted to call his role. Nebraska parted ways with him on Thursday after just one season. He was hired in February of 2020. It was always an interesting decision to me personally to hire an analyst and not an on-field coach. 
and I've said this before in, in a bunch of different places, um, it's not it's not enough to talk about the importance of special teams. You actually have to prioritize it. And when you have a, a head coach who focuses solely on the offense and delegates stuff in the other two phases of the game, you really have to have someone who can be on the field and offer in-person, in-practice instruction if you want a bad unit to get better. Nebraska going from that, it had that, kind of, sort of, it had that with with Jovan DeWitt, a guy who, you know, albeit he was splitting his time as an outside linebacker coach, but he was a guy that could offer on-field instruction with special teams. It had that, and then it moved to a guy who was limited to setting up drills before practice and watching film after it. That was always going to be an interesting move because it didn't it didn't it didn't yield the results that Nebraska wanted. Now I don't think that's completely Rutt's fault. He was directly responsible for two kickers coming to to Nebraska, Connor Culp and Daniel Journey. Culp won kicker of the year and was maybe Nebraska's most important player. So point in favor of Rutt. Cherney didn't play a single game because of injury. That's really tough to have when you your only scholarship kicker is is a guy that never plays for you. And I shouldn't say never because he's he's coming back. He'll have another year to try and get over the injury. But he didn't play at all. It, it, it's it's tough. And, I, and like I said, I don't think it's entirely Rutt's fault. Um, it'll be interesting to see which way Nebraska goes kind of with this position moving forward. Uh, because like I said, it, it's, it's, it's just not enough to talk about, to just talk about wanting to prioritize it. Like, I think I covered everything. Did I cover everything? There was a lot that happened this week. I think I covered everything. Let's get to the people that you want to listen to instead of having to, to keep listening to my voice. Uh, I asked two folks to join me on the podcast this week. We will get to their interviews right now. The first is a coaching legend in the state of Indiana. He was a high school football coach for 28 seasons. 23 of those were spent at Cathedral High School, and four of those seasons, he coached a guy by the name of Marquis Stepp. You may have heard of him. Uh, Rick Strife is going to join me, um, and we're going to talk about Stepp and kind of what he can bring to Nebraska. And then after that, I'm going to have another coaching legend on, and, and I think you guys uh, all will love this one, Bob Stitt, Nebraska native, Offensive innovator as a coach, longtime coach at Colorado School of Mines, uh, and he coached Samori Toure at Montana. So he'll be on in a bit to talk about Samori. That's coming up. First, uh, let's get Rick Strife on. Excited to be joined this week by Rick Strife. 28 years coaching high school football, 23 years coaching at Cathedral High School. Rick, thank you for coming on. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's my pleasure to be here. So for anybody wondering, who is this guy and why am I hearing from him? You coached Marquis Stepp when he was in high school, Nebraska's newest uh, running back addition, a USC guy. He announced that he was transferring to Nebraska this week. Um, I hit you up. You were really gracious and agreed to, to come and, and talk to me about a, a guy you coached in high school. He was a really high profile recruit. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, he went to USC, you know, kind of here and there he didn't really have a chance to be a feature back and now here he is at nebraska um kind of replacing Diedrich mills Diedrich mills was a guy that came over with like two years left of eligibility if i remember correctly um he's off to the nfl i think maybe kind of the thought process when people talked about replacing mills was that nebraska would go with maybe a grad transfer running back a guy who's going to be a stopgap running back because they have four freshmen in the room uh right now that'll be freshmen next year 
Step has three years of eligibility. Um, he's a guy that's going to be around for a bit. So let's just let's start here. Who is Marquis Step as a as a running back? What is Nebraska getting? He's a downhill uh, between the tackles, power runner type guy. Um, he uh, we we ran a lot of inside uh, runs with him. He, he's he's got excellent speed, but his uh, his forte will be power and strength. He's uh, you know 6'1", 6'2", 235 pound running back that uh, is physical and uh, likes the physicality of running of the running game. And uh, quite frankly, he's your kind of prototypical Big Ten running back. Uh, he's he's the kind of guy you see all over your league, and uh, I think will fit in very very well. Did you guys use him as a feature back? Do you use him in like a committee? How did you use him when you had him? No, he, he was our guy. Uh, he, he, he was uh, his, his sophomore year. He was the starter from day one. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had a senior kid who ended up backing him up. Uh, but uh, there was very little doubt who was, who was our best running back in that, in that group. And, he, he had a hamstring issue for a couple of years that really limited his junior and senior year that, that has uh, all been remedied. And, uh, but uh, he's, uh, he, he really, we, we were an eye back team, uh, played a little bit in the gun, but, but we were a, a two back kind of a traditional uh, football team, especially with, with him. And he's, uh, he, he, he very well would have been the all-time leading rusher in the state of Indiana, at least for uh, been up there in the, in the ranks uh, if, if it hadn't been for the hamstrings. And, and, uh, but he got those fixed and he's, I think he's ready to go. He had a, an ankle thing that kind of hampered him uh, at the end of 2019 and then into 2020 with, with USC. How much of, of his USC career did you get to watch and follow and how often did you get to talk to him? Uh, we text back and forth on a pretty you know, re- relatively re- regular basis. Uh, when I could stay up late enough to, to catch his, uh, you know, the West Coast games, I'd watch him play uh, as much as he can. And, uh, but uh, he, he's, he wasn't uh, – at USC, he didn't, he, didn't fit the, uh, he didn't fit the room with the other guys in the room. And, and if you look at the Pac-12, they play with smaller pass-catching kind of guys. And that – Marquise is Marquise is a power back and um, and so you know, he ended up out there for on a couple different for a couple different reasons but uh, uh, I, I kind of felt like I, I was kind of hoping he'd always return back home but good ball player great kid you talking about the way you guys played two back eye back style power run that's Nebraska of the 1990s and the early 2000s it's not necessarily Nebraska right now but I think they're kind of in this I think they're kind of in this in this in between area of what what do we want to be? Do we want to be the spread kind of really quick guys that we had at at UCF in in the American Athletic Conference, or do we want to be um, more like the Nebraska of old? And I think one of the things that maybe um, the last couple of years will, will kind of push Nebraska towards is being more of a run first team. It sounds like that fits right into Steps' wheelhouse. You talked about him not necessarily fitting the room. Um, how well do you think he, he fits the room for a team that wants to be power running, that wants to be run first? Yeah, it, it, very, very much so. Again, he's, he was looking at Wisconsin. He'd have fit in very, very well at Wisconsin. Um, you know, any of those Big Ten schools where 
where running the football is uh, is a premium. Uh, Marquise would be a perfect a perfect fit. Uh, he's he's going to get you the tough yards. He's going to be great on the goal line, uh, which is kind of really where USC used him the most. But uh, I think the reality is he can he can be your first and second down back and and get you get you those seven five six seven yards when you need it and those two or three tough yards when you really have to have it. He, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little in the opening. He was a four-star kid coming out of high school, 34th ranked running back in the 2018 class. I've got it written in my notes. He had 23 offers to places like Notre Dame, LSU, Georgia. This is a really talented kid and a, and a highly regarded kid coming out of high school. Um, at USC, he didn't get the chance to be a featured back. Does he have that in him at this level? Oh, I, I think so. He could be a 20-plus carry back if uh, – if, if, fed the ball he's uh he, he we've had we had multiple games where he was closing in on 30 carries and uh we didn't do that an awful lot with him uh did it early with him his sophomore year he had he had some big time games with a lot of carries in it his junior and senior year because of the hamstrings we weren't able to do that as much but um he had a game in a semi-state game or a semi uh, yeah semi-state game where he had 258 yards rushing on 28 carries uh, against one of the you know, top four teams in the state of Indiana. So uh, he was really was one of those nights that he was completely healthy and we turned him loose. That's kind of where I saw he could be almost every night again, without, you know, barring the hamstrings, but he, he's a fantastic back. He's got, he gets the seam, he hits it hard and, and he'll be in the secondary before a lot of people know it. And, uh, then I wouldn't want to be a 185 pound corner trying to tackle him. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I think one of the the worst jobs anybody can have is playing quarterback in the big 10. I think having to yeah. tackle guys yeah, like <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, I JK Dobbins. I didn't, I didn't want to hit anybody anyway. So that, <laughs> I'm definitely not wanting to be involved in any of that stuff. Let's um let's talk more generally for a second, because you're, you're an athletic director now at Cathedral. You're still kind of in this football realm. Um, the transfer portal is huge right now with the NCAA freezing eligibility. The transfer portal is even bigger than it would normally be. Um, transfers are just kind of the way of the landscape in college football right now. And, and, and I don't bring this up to say that um, Marquise specifically was doing this, but there tends to be... Um, a, a perception that when a guy transfers from be it a power five school or just a, at the FBS level, when a guy transfers, it's because he wants more opportunity. He wants more touches. He wants more carries. Um, and, and there, there seems to be sort of this knock on sort of the, this newer age of, of football, college football players that, well, it's guys that don't necessarily want to compete or guys that don't necessarily want to sit and develop for three years or whatever. My question for you is, as a guy, I mean, you coached for a long time. You've been at the high school level for a long time. Is there a way that you can coach competitiveness with your team, with your players? Is there a way that you can coach guys to be more competitive or, or like, where do you kind of fall on this? Like guys are going into the portal because they're not seeking competition. I, I think there's a little bit of that it, with some of the guys, particularly with quarterbacks, they see the writing on the wall that they're not going to get a chance to play and they, they want to play. So they, they move to a spot where they, where they have an opportunity to play like Marquise's situation. He just wasn't going to get a chance to blossom like he possibly can because the system didn't fit him. So he's moving someplace where the system fits 
where even if he has to rotate for a year or even two years, Marquise is a guy that'll do that. And I, I think if you look at even uh, let's take Alabama, for example, the, the quarterback at Alabama, he, he's, there's a guy that he waited his turn. He bided his time. He, he worked in the system. He learned, he matured. And then as a senior, he was you know, a Heisman finalist, he, a fantastic guy. So there, there are still guys out there and there are still programs out there that if, if handled the right way, those guys don't fall into those transfer portals. Uh, and you do, you look at, you look at the Ohio, Ohio States, you get a few of those guys that are there, like a, a Joe Burrow that transfers. Uh, but it's just because the room is, is full. And, you know, even if he beats out two, number one and number two, he's still got guy three and four and he gets hurt. He's, he's not going to get to the field. So you go to a place where you maybe get a little better chance to compete uh, just because, uh, but, it, but some of those bigger name schools, you, you watch some of those guys hang in there um, and, and they fight the fight. Uh, I think kids are a little bit different from that standpoint too, that, that we even see it here at the high school level where kids will transfer because they think the room's too full for them instead of hanging on. Our, for example, our 5A state championship quarterback this year is a kid that played wide receiver last year. He, he, and he waited his time. We had a three-year starter. Bam, he fits in the system and bam, the way he goes. But he played other spots. And you, you see that happen. Um, uh, What's well, quarterback at uh, Florida? Uh, went out and played wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm, if I'm putting the right school together. But I know there was a guy that had been the starting quarterback and they moved him to wide out and he ended up playing one game at wide out and was fantastic. So you never know what's going to happen with those guys. Uh, Logan Thomas, who plays for the Redskins, now tight end, played quarterback in college. You see it all over the place, even in the pros. And one thing I think, too, that will maybe speak to Marquise's mindset is that Nebraska's got four freshman running backs in the room right now. So it's 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 not like he he looked at Nebraska and said, this is a place that is kind of bereft of running backs. And then I'm going to be able to step in right away and carry the ball 30 times. It seems like he's going to be a guy that's coming here to compete. Well, and he, he was looking for a place that uses his skill set and in uh, coming back, circling back to the Big Ten was was the best place to find those kind of, uh, those kind of kids. He's, he's going to see similar people to him in the, in the room that he's going to in Nebraska or whether it be Wisconsin or any of those other places. Uh, but yeah, that his skill set fits the big 10 much better than it did the PAC 12. Yeah. Now, if this question takes you a second to think about, that's fine. What's, what's the best marquee step story that you've got? He is we, we were playing uh, sophomore year. Uh, it's the number one. If you pull up his huddle highlight film, it's the number one play on his huddle fi- highlight film from his sophomore year. But we're playing at Victory Field, which is the uh, minor league baseball team in town. So think of the old-fashioned Oakland Raiders with the infield and run, playing on the dirt and all that stuff. So we're playing, we're playing a football game on a baseball field. And uh, – Marquise, we run an inside play. He hits a seam and he just outruns the two defenders of the team. Well, one of those defenders is a guy named Jeremy Chin, who is starts for the Carolina Panthers now in the NFL, and he runs right by him like he's standing still. And I vividly remember watching that game, watching that on Friday night 
after we after the game was over, and I thought, oh boy, we we we've got our we've got somebody special right here because that I we just don't have kids that that do that around here very often. And and I coached the all-time leading rusher in the state of Indiana at one time over eight thousand yards rushing, and he's a Marquise is much much better than than my boy Otis Shannon. I love Otis to death, but now nah, Otis, you're not as good as Marquise. So. <laughs> What what kind of guy is he off the field? Is he soft spoken? Is he is he to himself, or is he kind of um, kind of the life of the party, so to speak? How would you no, describe he's him? He's not the life field? of the party guy. He's a he's a get along with everybody kind of guy. He he uh, he could get along with all the folks in the in the locker room. He'll be a great locker room guy. He's not going to be your biggest rah rah guy, but he'll be a great guy in the weight room. He'll be a great teammate on the field. He plays with passion. He gets excited if. There's the one highlight of him high-fiving high Reggie Bush in the end zone, gets him a 15-yard penalty at USC when he scores a touchdown, I think against Notre Dame. Uh, but, he, but he's passionate on the field, but he's also a, a pretty quiet, soft-spoken, uh, you know, well-mannered uh, young man. Nose to the grindstone kind of guy. Absolutely. Like, salt, yeah. A little bit of salt to the earth kind of guy you want to go to war with. Cool. Very cool. Well, I'll let you get back to your day. Be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, and sharing some some step knowledge with us. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, you know, I'm I'll I'll be actually picking up and watching the Cornhuskers a little more often this year. Yeah, it's 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 not exactly Pac-12 after dark. You'll have to wake up a little bit yeah, for it. Get... I'll be all right. I'll make I can make those games. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Big Ten at eleven a.m. We got to find a, a catchy way to say it. So, um, <laughs> thank you, sir, for for coming on. Appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure. Good luck. From one legendary high school coach now to one legendary college coach, I have Bob Stitt with me. Bob, when I told my editor I was going to have you on my podcast, I just got, I heard one very big, loud, Stitt! You are the father of the fly sweep, according to your Wikipedia page. A longtime coach at the Colorado School of Mines. You coached at Montana, where new Nebraska transfer wide receiver played his ball he was an fcs all-american at montana bob stitt is joining me bob how are you i'm doing awesome thanks for having me thank you for coming on um so you're in you're in denver right now is that what you said what's the weather like out there very sunny it's a little chilly today but uh the, the beautiful thing about colorado is you're you're getting like 320 days of sunshine and i'm in golden colorado one of the greatest places on the face of the earth yeah my parents want to move to Colorado. Um, my dad has talked about it for like 10 years and at some point it's going to happen. Um, do you, do you ski? Do you snowboard? Do you partake in those activities? You know, I, I like to ski back in college, but when you become a football coach, you're so busy with recruiting the entire ski season. And then when, when recruiting gets over in, in February and, and you get signing date over with you don't feel like doing anything you know and and so skiing just kind of took a back seat and and uh, uh football just kind of took over my life and when you get a break in football you don't want to do anything you just want to relax at home spend some time with the family i get that i tried snowboarding absolutely like one time when i was younger um and i crashed into a tree and then i crashed into a fence and uh that was that was enough with the snowboarding for me so um, <laughs> let's talk football. You have 
a, a very unique insight into Nebraska's newest uh, wide receiver. He's he's coming over as a grad transfer, um, Samori Toure. Um, you recruited him. You coached him. So let's let's start here with this. What kind of player is Samori? What's Nebraska getting? Well, you know, I, I think they're getting a great player, and uh, uh, it's an interesting story with Samori. It was uh, it was probably the middle of January, and Dan Hawkins, a former Colorado head coach, called me and and said his son Cody was was coaching in Portland at a high school, and I should take a look at this guy, and take a look at, at one of his players actually, and. So I was like, Hawk, how many Division One players are available the middle of January? You know, signing date's right around the corner, and, and so this guy's got nothing. And he's like, just take a look at him. So I watched the tape and, and uh, was very impressed with, with what Samori was doing on tape. But still, you know, it wasn't enough to, to pull the trigger. So um, I took all of the recruits that we were interested in through a structured interview. And I got it from a company that my best friend was, was, uh, he founded and it's Octus IQ. And they taught me how to do a structured interview to find out if these kids had the pop, you know, the proper traits and intangibles to be great at, at the next level. And so I did an interview probably, it was probably a Wednesday and Samori just blew it away. And I'm like, holy cow, I got my director of football operations uh, on the internet, and we booked him a flight for that weekend, cost us like 1200 bucks. brought him in, really liked him in person, offered him a scholarship. And uh, so, and the funny thing is, is now I am working for Octus IQ. I'm out of football now and, and uh, working for my best friend, Troy, and Octus is uh, located right there in, in Lincoln. And uh, it's very similar to the to the interviews that coach Osborne used to do when, when he was the head coach. And uh, I, I just fell in love with it. It was a great tool. And so we get some more in, we don't really know what we're, what we're going to get. We have a good idea and we retired in the first year. And then, then that second year, he just, he broke out and uh, we knew he was going to be something special. He was still young. But uh, this this kid has has everything you're looking for as, as far as the intangibles go, and and then physically he just continued to to grow, and uh, he runs like a gazelle when you see him. You know you're you're going to know what I talked about. He's got great ball skills and body control. So I'm excited being a Nebraska guy, born and bred. You know, in, in Tecumseh, Nebraska, I'm I'm excited to to see the Huskers uh, have one of my guys. So you talk about let's talk about this interview. Can I ask you like what are some questions that get get asked, or is is this like asking you to reveal state secrets? Can we talk about this? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's uh, uh, they're really good questions. There's sixty of them, and and you just fly through them. And and if kids try to to tell you what you want to hear, you know, they're not going to do great on it. 
And, uh, you know, I, I can't go into the questions because it, it's something that, that we don't want to give, give those up. But, but they're really, really interesting questions. And there's certain ones that when you ask them and they give you what you're looking for, you're like, man, th- this guy's really, really special. And, uh, you know, you're on the phone for 45 minutes to an hour with, with a kid and, and they really open up to you and you really get to know them. You know, other than just the, the questions, you, you feel like your friends went by the time you get done. And uh, uh, Samoy was really good. And uh, that, that, that interview is, is, it's not easy. There's a lot of tough questions and really makes them think. And, and uh, uh, it, it's something that, that our company now does to hire salespeople and, and assess salespeople for companies. And, and, uh, so it, it was a natural fit for me. And, and, uh, I, I used it at Colorado school of mines and one of the worst programs in the history of college football, I used it. And, and, uh, in five years we were undefeated and top five in the, in the country. We used it at Montana and then I used it at Texas state and, uh, uh, our first recruiting class, we only had two weeks to, to recruit them. Uh, we, we brought in these offensive kids, and uh, they had five all-conference players this year, and three of them were my recruits that I interviewed. You know, mm-hmm. So they fired me and said I couldn't recruit, but then three of the five uh, – <laughs> three of the five all-conference guys were mine. You know, So, so go figure. That's usually, that's usually how it works. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he, he came to you guys as a two-star recruit in 2016, um, six-foot-three kid. I, I had him described to me um, by somebody that covered him out in Montana as as a, a vertical threat who's also a possession receiver. Um, 2019 was really kind of his big year. Um, the numbers kind of really jump off the page. He had 1,400 receiving yards um, that season, which was a, a single-season record, I believe, at Montana to go with 87 catches. Like, did you <clears> – <throat> So it sounds like you saw that player in there before he kind of broke out in 2019. Did, did you expect him to be able to be, you know, a a dominant number one receiver when he got on campus? When he got on campus, we didn't know that. But after that that uh, second year, after his redshirt year, you know, he just started making plays, and uh, you know, in the way we re- always ran our program, you know, we, we always had these older kids that, that uh, were established and, and the younger guys kind of had to, to uh, work their way into playing time. And, and uh, he was a real strong backup for us that, that first year. And then, then basically just as the year went on, he, you know, he, he uh, got more touches and, and uh, he could do anything. He could, he could play in the slot he could play outside. He just wanted to find ways to get in the ball. You know, he could really put his foot in the ground. You know, a lot of vertical guys, you know, they can really run, but but they can't pay, they can't make people miss, and they're not really who you want, you know, inside in, in the slot. And, and Samori could play anything. Is he a guy that can, say, take like a, a little quick hitch or a little swing pass and make something big out of it? Absolutely. He could take those, those little smoke routes. You, you saw uh, Alabama doing that early in the national championship game, mm-hmm. just trying to get it to their Heisman Trophy winner, you know, and you just a little play action and pop it out there. And, and uh, you know, th- multiple times, Samori take those for 30 yards, you know, and where, you know, a, a normal receiver, just an average receiver, would would it might have been a two-yard gain, you know. So he can do those types of things then also, you know, 
try to knock the top off off the coverage and and uh you know he can go deep and that is that's uh something that not every kid has and uh that body control and the ball skills to do that and i'm i'm telling you wait wait till you see in this spring you know run you know i tell everybody he runs like a gazelle how would you describe him from a from a, a teammate standpoint from a competitiveness standpoint great teammate you know th- those are the things that that we find out from that structured interview of, of you know what type of guy is he how much does he love football you know is 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 he going to be a great teammate and and Samori was one of those guys that he always just came came to to work every day came to practice and and he didn't say a whole lot you know he he wasn't a boisterous guy he just got his work done and everybody loved him you know his teammates loved him so i i think he's the type of guy that will handle uh transferring in, into a program very well that people will appreciate his work ethic and his skills and uh he won't try to you know he he's going to earn the respect and the trust from the the other people and and so I feel really confident about that. Did you get to um did you maybe talk to him at all during the process where he was kind of trying to figure out where he was going to go next? Like how often do you get to talk? Did you have any kind of inclination that that he was leaning towards Nebraska or any kind of um insight into kind of what he was wanting from his next next school? I, I didn't talk to him. We we text back and forth, and and I basically you know said good luck with with whatever you choose to do. So I didn't really have any insight on on what was going on in the process. And then okay. when he made the decision, I was fired up because uh, you know my my friend Troy Canner, the CEO of our company, has a box at Memorial Stadium. So I'm gonna be driving out there <laughs> and uh, watching some games. Yeah, you'll be able to watch them a little bit. Um... Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, this is this is not about Samori. Kind of just a general question because I, I and I and I asked um, the guy that was on previously. I asked him kind of a question about the transfer portal too. As a as a football coach, like, what do you think of the transfer portal? Um, the way it's it's being utilized right now, and just kind of the the impact that it's had on college football. You know, I, I don't love it. Um, I, I think there's some situations that the NCAA could take a look at that, that a guy should be able to, to transfer. But, uh, I, I just, I just think it's, uh, wrong for kids. You know, they have one bad day and, uh, they're upset at this or that, or they don't think they're playing enough and then boom, they're in the portal. And, uh, I, you know, I, I felt like free agency kind of ruined NFL football as well where you you had these teams you grew up cheering for as a kid and you know guys played for these teams forever you know and now you don't even know from year to year who who they are and uh you know it's just basically free agency now in in uh, college football and and uh it's it's changing it it's not it's not the same thing kids kids aren't learning the the value of working hard and persevering, you know, all, all the things that we always taught. Now it's just like, Hey, let's just keep transferring till we find a, a place where, where uh, they're going to hand us something there on a silver platter. And I'm not going to have to work at it or, or beat somebody else out. Now, Samori's, uh, you know, his situation was different. You know, the F, the uh, FCS went to the spring 
Yep. And and I haven't talked to him about this specifically, but that's going to be hard to play a season in the spring and then come Absolutely. back in July and do it again. You know, and, and he's an NFL prospect. I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do that as a kid and, and possibly get injured. You know, so so it's 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 right for him. But some of these other other guys, they should hang in there and, and try to work into a position and earn something. Yeah, and Samori did that with with you guys. I mean, he came, he got to campus in 2016. He worked his way up, and then had a big, a big, big season in 2019. And um, 155 career catches for you guys. He broke an FCS playoff record. Like he accomplished a lot. And if he wants to now come to the FBS level and go to a Power Five school and try to prove it at a Power Five school, all power to him, right? Um, yeah, and that was Randy Moss's record. Yeah, He's a pretty good one. You know, and, and the thing is, is had, had the pandemic not happened, he would have played this fall, been over, and and uh, he w- he would have been drafted by somebody. You know, so it's just uh, it was just a weird situation this year. You think he's got legit NFL potential? Absolutely, he does. You know, and and uh, uh, a lot of Montana kids went went through that that program and and uh, had long NFL careers and and uh you know he's he's as good as i'd ever been around and and uh you know even as you know i went to oklahoma state as an analyst after montana and uh samori definitely could have played at oklahoma state and and uh he uh for darn sure could have played it at texas state he'd been our best player on offense at texas state when you were at oklahoma state that was 2018 right was yes was uh, was James Washington still there? Tylen would have been young. No, we, I, I just missed. I just missed him. He he came back and and I got to talk to him uh, when when he came out back and visit. But I got there, you know, a couple months after he finished his career. Okay. And Mason Rudolph was a guy that come around and we we uh, went out and watched their their pro days and and uh, they had a heck of an offense that year in eighteen. They are a um, they're a wide receiver talent factory, I think, pipeline to the NFL. So that might be one of the better compliments that you can give a guy if you say yeah, he he would play it at Oklahoma State. Um, so oh, he definitely could have played. And, and the thing is, Casey Dunn is responsible at Oklahoma State. He does such a fantastic job with the receivers, and now he's the offensive coordinator. He got promoted, and mm-hmm. and uh, all those kids. There, there's you know a lot of those guys. I think James Washington might have been a two star guy when he got there, and and the development that uh, those kids go through uh, is is unbelievable. And uh, you know that that was neat to see, and and uh, you know Talon was was uh, not a heavily recruited guy when he came in and, and uh, you know, was second in the Blintikoff award. Yeah. It's kind of i I'm from Oklahoma. So my family follows them very closely um, has for a, a really long time. And, and this is kind of a, a take that my brother holds that I tend to agree with. It's, it's kind of a shame that Tylen Wallace never won a Blintikoff. He's one of, probably the most underrated receivers in college football right now. Um, so I got a, I got a question for you as a grad transfer guy, Samori coming in from one year, he's got one year and then he's moving on to the NFL. What kind of impact can a guy have in just one year at a place? Well, you, you've got to be able to fit in immediately and, 
and I think he he's got that about him. You know, his uh, personality will allow him to come in. I think he reports on Sunday, and and kids will appreciate him immediately. You know, and that's you've got to be able to fit in very very quickly. Russell Wilson did that. You know, he came from North Carolina State to Wisconsin, and he went through. I think he he either he didn't even come in for spring football. I don't think. I think he played baseball, then transferred in the summer. And Russell Wilson ended up captain of that team. Mm-hmm. You know, so you think about those, you know, those traits and intangibles you're looking for in a leader. Uh, Russell had that so quickly that 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 those guys vote him captain. And I think S'more's got that same type type of uh, you know personality where people, you know, I, I think everybody in Nebraska is gonna you know, are hoping that that he's. Uh, you know, everything that we're talking about. And when he comes in and proves that he's got some substance to him and uh, some toughness, some grit, and he'll be a great teammate, uh, I think they'll really rally around him. And he can have a huge impact. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a precedent of, of guys grad transferring to Nebraska and then being named a captain right away. Darian Daniels did it coming from, from Oklahoma State. He was a defensive captain in, in one year at Nebraska. And um, I'm, I, I have on my computer screen in front of me that Samori was a, a semifinalist for the William V. Campbell trophy, which is the academic Heisman, uh, in college football. So, um, he, he seems to have all of the goods. I'm really excited to, to, you know, whatever spring football looks like, whatever this off season looks like, and we get into fall camp, whatever any, any of that looks like, I'm excited to be able to, to see him on a field and, and see what this looks like here in a Nebraska uniform. Bob, I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and, and talking a little bit about, about one of your guys. Derek, thanks for having me. It's great to talk a little football with you. Yeah, and uh, hopefully there can be some people in Memorial Stadium in 2021 and we can get you out in a box out here. I'm, uh, I'm planning on it. So I'm uh, if, even if they don't, I'll sneak in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so fired up to watch some football. <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell anybody. Hey, man, have a good one. Thank you so much. All right, take care. See ya. That's going to do it this week. Shout out to uh, to Coach Strife and to Coach Stitt both for coming on. Really appreciate their insight. Uh, we will be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading HaleVarsity.com. Subscribe to all of our podcast offerings. Like I said in the beginning, I listed them all out. Even though I told coworkers I wasn't going to do it anymore, I end up doing it like every week. Because they're good podcasts. Just listen to them. Uh, subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Leave a five-star review if you leave a four-star or a three-star or a two-star or, God forbid, a one-star review. I will find you, I will find your email address, and I will spam your inbox with clips from the Scott's Tots episode of The Office. And nobody wants that. So, subscribe to the podcast. Listen to all my friends' podcasts. They're really good. Keep reading HailVarsity.com. Subscribe to HailVarsity if you don't get it already. Lots of places where you can find our stuff will find this podcast back next week. Thanks, guys. A Huda Media Production.